Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Today, I want to, um, I want to preach to you um, a very simple subject. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, break any uh, cultural narratives or uh, any crazy deep word. I just have something on my heart that I want to share with you today. Can I do that? I want to preach to you a word called the smell of victory. The smell of victory. You know, so many people have come up to me through this, uh, the, the, the flood and losing our home and in our transition and people are coming up to them and they're, and they're saying, well, where are you staying? And I'm like, man, we're staying with the Keatings. We have a great place. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm praying for you so much. I'm praying for you. I'm like, pray for me. You need to pray for them. You need to pray for them. They just gained two people that do things on their own and a two-year-old that just does whatever he wants to do, right? So, um, but you know, I, today I want to speak to you a little bit of hope. I want to speak to you a little bit of hope. Our first Sunday back together um, in this building, pastor preached a fantastic word called look up. Y'all remember that? Look up. It was about a month ago from, you know, from three feet up, I'm looking good. So look up to Jesus where our strength and our hope comes from. Last week he preached about the bitter tasting waters in life. The water might be bitter, but the goodness of Jesus is sweet. The goodness of Jesus is sweet. Although we didn't advertise this, this wasn't on the plan. Um, We didn't really plan on doing a series on senses. I'm going to continue in that today, if you don't mind. I'm going to continue in that And I want to know if our church passes the smell test. The smell test, right? You all know the smell test. You know the, right? The smell test. We've all done it, even the ladies. We've all done the smell test before. I want to know if we pass the spiritual smell test. I want to talk to you today about resilience and hope because this is a world that really struggles with that. It's a world that becomes very easy to be disappointed in. It's a world that becomes very easy to be disillusioned in and really even sink into despair. There's a lot going on in our world, maybe even just in our part of the world in the last month. Think about it. Harvey, Irma, the anniversary of 9-11, earthquakes in Mexico, and obviously Maria. I mean, I mean there's an awful lot of storms and, and people uh, with earthquakes, people affected And it's easy to become discouraged and live in despair, especially in times like this, in cultures and areas like this. So for me, I want to go to somebody who can show me how to get through some of the hard times and still have hope when I get on the other side of it. So what I do is I go, the first thing I do is I go to the Word and I find that, I find the Apostle Paul, who is one of my heroes, He's one of my biblical heroes. The Apostle Paul is one of those people that's just my guy. In Romans 9, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 35 and 37 through 39, you can listen, you can almost hear it as you read it, as he explains some of the things that he's been through and how he maintains hope. How he maintains hope in a hopeless situation. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. And all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who have loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you were to pay attention, I was, I was reading that, and you would underline it in your mind, there are 17 different things that Paul mentions there that just in those few verses that Paul says, hey, these are things that I've been through. These are things that I have been through. Here are things that threaten to separate us, threaten to take away our hope, threaten to take us away and knock us down. There are 17 things in just those few verses that say, I face those things. Second Corinthians 11 is another place where he, where he gives us an even more specific list of all the things that he's gone through. He says, I've been shipwrecked many times. I've been shipwrecked many times. He said, I've been beaten with rods and stones. I've been starving. I've been abandoned by my friends. I've been hopeless. I've been imprisoned unjustly. He says, I've been persecuted. I've been accused of things I've never done. And he still says nothing is going to separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. He says those things cannot drown out hope. All of the things that he's facing in his life cannot drown out hope. Listen to me today as I tell you, your hope is floating. Your hope floats, and in in, in that should be a movie title. Your hope floats in a desperate situation. Hope is a good swimmer. Hope is a good swimmer. If you're looking for something to grab onto today, I'm telling you, grab onto hope that comes from loving Jesus. Grab onto hope that comes from only loving Jesus. What happens to many people in our lives is that pain causes, pain causes immediate stress. And what happens is even once the pain of the trial moves on, there's residue from that pain. There's residue left over from that pain. And what happens is a lot of people begin to listen to the voice of the residue of your pain. And it begins to affect your future. And what we do is we end up checking ourselves into an eternal prison of bitterness over a temporary situation of pain. Residue that just stays. Harvey's gone. Maybe your hardship is not yet over, but Harvey's gone. So the residue is left and that we check ourselves into a prison of pain and bitterness. You know, in the book of Daniel, in the book of Daniel, we find three boys who were in a similar yet unique situation. Situation. They were charged to be put into a furnace and essentially be burned to death because they refused to bow to Nebuchadnezzar. They were given a choice. Bow or you're going to the fire. Bow down or you're going to the fire today. 
In the book, in the book of Daniel chapter 3, well, let's read this. Chapter 3 verse 4, it says, And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations and languages, that when you, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and to worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. I've got three points I want to bring to you about this story. And like I said, it's not tremendously deep, but it's something that I've went through personally in the last month of my life. Is that okay? Is that okay? My first point today is that in the midst of trouble, everyone will bow to something. In the midst of trouble, everyone will bow to something. Everyone. You know, I, coming up to Harvey, you know, I had people call me before, friends and family that, you know, people, our staff loves to have a little inside joke and they call me the connected one because I have a lot of friends. Is that a problem? I'm just kidding. I love y'all. I got the microphone, son, so what I want. I've I've also joked in the last month, what are they going to do, fire me? Oh, I can say that joke. I got a week left. Um, But, you know, I had friends call me about the hurricane and they were like, man, are you going to be okay? I mean, it's like a big dude. It's like, it's coming like right up there. I was like, man, it's no big deal. We're just going to get a bunch of rain, right? We're just going to get a bunch of rain. And in fact, I have to, I have to tell on myself a little bit. The Sunday before when Harvey was coming through, I was, I was upset. We was canceling church. I was, I was upset. I was ready to have church. I got my son ready. We got to church and we I was ready. I was ready. I was ready to have church. I thought, man, we're just going to get some rain about this thing, right? Did anybody else think that? It's just going to be some rain, right? Just some rain, right? And, and my wife, my dear wife, called me on Saturday. She was working that day. And I, we, it was raining really heavy. And she was like, Michael, you need to get out. You need to get out. You need to, you need to go and you need to go do something. Baby, you're overreacting. Stop overreacting. Chill out. Leave me alone. I got this right chill just chill out right and she she called me back and she was crying and she said Michael you have got to get out I didn't get out and I stayed anyhow (laughs) and I stayed and then Sunday um we canceled church and and we ended up being together and then they called the uh voluntary evacuation and my wife was off work and she said that's all the motivation she needed she took all of our um all of our our prized pictures and she brought them over to the Keating's house. The Keating's house looks like a U-Haul store right now. Um, <laughs> but I'm so thankful for the intuition and the wisdom of my wife that she was able to see that. I, I didn't think anything was going to happen. I remember Sunday it was raining and we, we moved over to the Keating's house. And I was thinking, man, I, I'm, sleeping, I'm sleeping over here where I could be sleeping in my bed. Everything, man, it's going to be okay. Monday everything was good and we were serving at the shelter. But then Tuesday something changed that creek behind the church began to rise over the bridge and it came quickly over the parking lot and we were watching it little bit by little bit we were watching that water rise and I remember looking out and thinking it's about to happen well maybe not maybe it's got to go a few feet before it's going to happen maybe maybe not 
I would serve at the shelter. I was in there with so many of you guys. I was in there and many of you probably saw the concern on my face as I was walking out of the door and I would look outside in the blowing rain in my face and I'd look at the water and I'd just kind of stand there for a minute hoping that just by looking at it, it was going to go down. Anybody else do that? I did that. And then I'd go back inside and then about 20 minutes later, I'd come out and I did this all day long until about midway through the day, we came out and we looked and we saw this water was rising and it got up to almost right at the top of the slab. And I'll never forget this moment in all my life. Pastor walked outside and he, 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 he said, man, what's it doing, Bubba? And we looked and we're like, we couldn't hardly see the air conditioner. And we're like, oh my gosh, we've got to go. We've got to go right now. We've got to go. We went over there and we decided we were going to go turn the power off. And we went behind the church and we grabbed some blocks, right? We went behind the church and we grabbed little three-inch blocks, right? And we went to my house and we started putting stuff on blocks. That did a lot of good. Um, <laughs> we started putting stuff on blocks. And, I, y'all, I remember, like, it got real, really real for me. When we drove up to the house and we couldn't even really pull into the driveway and we got out of the vehicle and the water was knee-high getting to my front door. And I remember, I remember it for the rest of my life. We got there and the water was, like, right at the door line. And, and we looked at each other and we said, Bro, this is about to happen. This is about to happen. This is about to happen to my house. Like all my memories, all my stuff, like that's about to happen to me. I remember, so we started going through and, and getting things that were super important to me. I went through and got my American Eagle stretchy jeans because those are very, very important. Um, and um, then I left them. Uh, but now I went through and I remember walking into e- Ethan's room and I saw my boy's chair. And I saw my boy's toys, the stuff I played race cars with him with. And, you know, his, his chair that I held him so many nights for him to go to sleep. And I remember getting a little emotional. And Pastor, with his great wisdom, kind of let me have a minute. And I, I, I remember we, we got some things that were important. And we got out. And throughout that night, that evening, we watched the water rise. And rise even more. And rise even more. I went to I went home or I went to the Kidding's home, and my wife and I were sleep. We're right now we're sleeping in Alex's room, and and uh, I, I remember laying there that night. That, that Tuesday night was one of the worst rains of the storm, and that Tuesday night we laid there, and I can remember not sleeping a wink, thinking about what was going on in my house, what was going on in my room, in my living room thinking about all these things that were going on, waves and waves of rain. I remember just laying there, not sleeping at all. I just laid there and I thought about what was happening. You know, the strength of the water that went through my home that night and many of your homes was so strong that it flipped my water heater up, pulling all of the pipes directly out of the wall. It moved a table from my living room to Ethan's room all the way in the back. That water was so strong. I remember laying there that night, vividly just saying, hearing the rain and going, well, okay. All right. I got up the next morning and I was sitting on the couch and everybody was having coffee and we, well, not me because I don't drink coffee, but everybody's watching Fox News, CNN and just watching the horror out, just unfold right in front of our eyes and it was like a cloud was over me that morning 
I started, what I started to do that morning right there in the Keating's living room is I started to bow to the pain of my circumstance. I started to bow right there to the pain of the things that I was experiencing. Not just grieving. Not just grieving. There's a difference in bowing and grieving. There's a difference in grieving and bowing. Grieving is sadness for pain that you're experiencing right now. That's healthy. Grief is something we all have to go through when we have problems. That's healthy. I've been there. I've been able to go through that process, thankfully. But bowing begins to speak pain into your future based on your current situation. Bowing to the pain begins to speak future pain into your current situation. Can I be honest? I started reflecting on myself. I went up to the room and and I was sitting there, sitting on the side of the bed, kind of almost pouting. And I was saying, Michael, if you can't even handle this, how good of a leader are you going to be? I started to speak pain into my future because I was bowing to the residue of the pain that Harvey caused in my life. I started bowing to it. You know, I started feeling a little bit like Job. Job 17, 11, and 13. Job said this after he lost everything he had. He said, my days have passed. My plans have failed. My hope is gone. My friends say night is daylight. They really don't get it. They say light's near, but I remain in darkness. My only hope is the world of the dead where I will lay down to sleep in the dark. All I wanted to do in that time because I was bowing to the pain in my life was literally sit in a room and play Xbox or watch TV or do something without people. Because I allowed the pain to speak and put me in a prison. See, I began to bow to the Nebuchadnezzar statue in my life at that moment. The situation was calling me for for me to bow. But what I had to do, one thing about living with the pastor is you can't stay discouraged for very long. Because when I walk into the living room, he's going to look me in the eye and he's going to say, What's up, Michael? Let's talk about it. And through great, I believe God ordained this for me to be in your house at that time because you were able, you were able, you, both of you guys were able to walk us through pain and grieving the healthy way. And saying, Michael, you're going to be okay. This is a, it's going to be okay. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be sad. I put my arms around you and I love you, but we're not going to stay here. See, because I bowed to my pain in that situation, what I had to learn to do was to grieve healthy. I had to learn to grieve healthy. My situation was calling me to bow, but I had to learn the difference in grieving and bowing. Grieving and bowing are two different things. My only hope, my only hope was Jesus in the situation. The healthy thing about grieving is if we grieve correctly, it leads us back to Jesus. If we grieve correctly, it leads us back to a Savior. Psalms 34 and 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to you. If you're brokenhearted, if you're grieving, if you're going through trouble right now, if you've got a death in your family, I serve a God that's close to you. He's going to rescue you right now. I'm telling you, the difference between bowing to your pain and living in victory is simply a posture change in your spirit. It's simply a posture change in your spirit saying, I believe in a God that's bigger than my circumstance. 
I will not bow today. Change your posture. Change your posture today. So many of you have lost everything. But you still have everything. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Obviously, we know the story that they wouldn't bow. They would not bow to the statue that Nebuchadnezzar could have put out there. And so they called on the name of the Lord. They said they wouldn't bow to the statue. And if their sentence were to be the fiery furnace, that they thoroughly believed that the Lord would help them through it. Once again, not bowing to their situation. Verse 19 says this. Uh, many of us, we, we've read this, this story over and over, but I want to give you a little context of what's running through my mind in this story. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter, seven times more than it was usually heated. He ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not cast them into the burning fiery furnace. So next, they, they're bound, and next we find them in the fire, which leads us to our next point. Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. The appearance and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of a God. You know, my, my, my second point I want to tell you today is this. If you're in the fire, don't sit down. Don't sit down. This week we were, we were shoveling she rock stuff and, and, and uh, that stuff is awesome. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, it's amazing. But we were shoveling it, and um, Pastor Scott found a little blessing right in the middle of the, of the sheetrock. And uh, he was shoveling, and he found a $20 bill in the middle of the sheetrock. Some of y'all wish you came to the work day now, huh? <laughs> no, but we found $20, and man, it was like 3.30 in the afternoon. It was super hot. And uh, so we, we looked at our watches, and we said, man, it's happy hour. It's happy hour, so we're going to go get a drink at Sonic. Some of y'all don't judge. You might have done it too. Okay, you couldn't have blamed us. But we went to Sonic, and we got us a... Man, I'm telling you what, that was the best cherry limeade and, and cheese sticks. I mean, I'm probably going to die a few years earlier because of it, but it was amazing. It was the best food. Got little cheese sticks and a cherry limeade, and uh, uh, we got back to the church, and... <laughs> One of the funniest things. Brandon, you know where I'm going too, don't you? We mentioned that Larry left his equipment at the church for us to use. Well, Brandon hopped back up on the trailer and about half of that seat is metal. And it was real hot that day. And if you've ever been around Pastor Brandon a few times, he makes some really funny noises when he gets a Charlie horse or when he has a little bit, he has a huge pain tolerance. But when, when, when it goes over that tolerance, he makes some really funny noises. He sat down, <laughs> I remember almost drinking, dropping my drink because he sat down in this, tra this, this, this tractor and he went, I thought, dear Lord. I, we need to go catch, somebody catch Brandon. I can't catch Brandon. Somebody get him. I can't do it. Somebody. We were all in trouble that day. Brandon sat down in that, it burned his tush. 
It burns tush, man. You know, in the book of Daniel, the boys were in the fire. The boys were in the fire, and, and, and I can almost imagine King Nebuchadnezzar gets his binoculars, which, you know, back then had to have been like ginormous, right? Binoculars. And he gets them all focused, right? Gets them all focused, and he looks in there, and he double checks, and he says, hey, didn't y'all tie them dudes up? Well, yeah, we tied them up. You sure? Yeah, we tied them dudes up. They should be tied up, burning. That's what we did. Well, I see four dudes now, and they're all walking around. And one looks like a real bad mamma jamma. <laughs> That's the redneck version. Y'all ain't get that Bible? You need to get that Bible. That's a good Bible. So one looks like a, a bad mamma jamma. He looks like a god. I can't help but imagine the thoughts of everyone around King Nebuchadnezzar at that moment. But the boys who were in the fire, they were in the middle of the fire, what were they doing? I'm sure they were a little freaked out because they were in the furnace to start with, right? I mean, I would have been, (laughs) right? But now literally an angel was with them. God himself was with them. They weren't being burned. Now what do you do? What would you do in that situation? You're not being burned, you're in a furnace God's with you, what would you do? You're untied. I don't know what they were doing for sure. I don't have any commentary that tells me why they were walking around or where they were going to try to find, you know, I'm pretty sure that they weren't playing, um, you know, ring around the rosy. I'm pretty sure they weren't doing that. But I personally think that they were trying to find a getaway out. They were trying to get out of there. Let someone know, hey, we're not burning it just smells real bad in here, right? It was, I'm trying to get out of here. Parkway Life, listen to me today. Right in the middle of your flood, first of all, you might have had pain walking into your, your flood. You might have been in pain before you walked into the fire. But right in the middle of your fire, now is not the time to sit down. Now is not the time in your life to sit down spiritually. Now is the time where you've got to get up because God is with us in the fire. He's with us in the flame and he's with us in the flood. That right now has got to be a time that I'm going to get up in my spiritual life and I'm going to win. I'm going to find a way out. I'm going to dig a way out. I'm going to get out. I'm going to win somehow. I'll never forget it. This Wednesday, we were at CU at the Pole, and Shelby's doing an amazing job. She spoke in front of all community leaders and, and, and school district officials this Wednesday. It was amazing. And uh, these, these junior high kids were around a, a flagpole for CU at the Pole, and we were singing that song, Our God. And the end of it, the bridge says, And if our God is for us, then who could stand against us? Then who could stand against us? I saw some junior high kids. I walked around and I heard them praying. God, if you'll, if you'll let my parents get back together. God, if you'll let us find a home that we can live in. God, if you'll let me have a bed again. God, but they were just singing, and if our God is for us, who could stand against us? Because they're in the middle of the fire and they're not going to sit down. They're going to stand up and say, God, I trust in you. God, I love you. God, I believe in you. My hope's in you. I win through you. I know some days you don't feel like it. Let me give you a little experience. There are some days I don't feel like getting up and reading my Bible when I'm in the middle of my situation. 
There are some days I don't feel like having a, having a good prayer life. Can I be honest and be real with you? There are some days that it's tough. But it makes it every bit worth it. When I separate myself from the pain of my situation, when I separate myself from the fire and I put myself before God and I say, I know that you are with me, I will not sit down on my victory. I will not sit down on my victory today. Parkway Life, you as a church, six months from now, Carmen and I won't be here. But I'm telling you what, you're going to have two of the biggest cheerleaders in Amory, Mississippi when you guys move back into your building and you can't even fit the people in it because you're not sitting down in the fire. Any other church that would have flooded would have just packed up and said, you know what, hey, here's the deal, we can't serve our community right now. We can't do it. But you know what we did? What we did is as soon as that water got out of our church, we pulled every bit of it out and we said, we're going to serve. I'm not going to sit down in my fire. I'm not going to sit down while I'm in the middle of my trial. I'm going to figure out a way to serve somebody. I'm going to figure out a way to be a blessing because I know that my victory is in my blessing. I know that my victory is in when I stand up firm and I stand firm to Christ. Anybody want to do that today? Right in the middle of your trial, why don't you clap your hands and speak that over your church and speak that over your life. I read an article that said due to hurricanes and due to storms and earthquakes, things like that, divorce rate goes up 82%. 82% during trials like this. 82%. Some of you, can I just, let me, let, me, let me be real with you. Some of you had struggling marriages going into Harvey. And then you lost everything. Don't be a statistic. Stand up in the fire for your marriage. Stand up in the fire for your family. I will not let my family be out of church. If there's ever been a time that my kids have got to be strong in the Holy Ghost, it's right now. If there's ever been a time that my wife and I have got to be close and bound together, it's right now. If there's ever been a time where I've got to be able to say, come here, Cameron Hollum, come here. I know you didn't lose stuff, but you walked up to me the day after we were cleaning up my house and you said, man, I really appreciate you being so positive. I really appreciate you lying to me. Okay, but your encouragement impacted me on an eternal way that you'll never know until right now. But your voice did that because it helped me stand in the fire. If there's ever been a time I need somebody to stand with me and just get with me, it's right now. Stand in your fire. Stand in it. Don't let it keep you down. Don't let it keep you down. Here's where I'm going. Scott, come play. So I quit. Verse 26. Uh, says this, then Nebuchadnezzar, this is where I'm going. I'm so excited about this. So, so excited to share this with you. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. I bet they was nervous. I'm just going to tell you. I bet they was nervous right there. They came out from the fire. And the satraps and the, 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 the prefects, the governors, and the, the kings, 
counselors gathered together and they saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads were not singed. The cloaks of uh, their cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire had come upon them. No smell of fire had come upon them. My third point is is more a declaration of faith. Victory's in the air. The victory's in the air. These guys had just been in a fire that had been heated up seven times the heat of the, 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 the furnace normally was. These furnaces were burning using wood, coal, and a constant supply of oxygen just to make sure that that fire would be hot enough. When they fired it up hotter, they threw in more things to burn and they allowed the airflow to, to, to have the fire churning. These guys have been in the fire walking around for some time, I'm sure. We've all been to a bonfire, right? I'm not sure why we do those things. It's Southeast Texas, it's 95 degrees, but we feel the need to go outside and set things on fire and stand around it. That's just what we do, right? It's a cultural thing. But we've all been around a bonfire, right? We all try to avoid the spot where the smoke is at, you know? We all try to avoid that spot. But it doesn't matter if you avoid that spot the whole time. Once you walk in the house, what's going to happen? You're going to smell like it. I remember we were cleaning out one of the homes, and uh, might have been mine. And, uh, you know, number one key to cleaning out a home, you better tie that refrigerator up. <laughs> you better tie that refrigerator up. Well, this one particular refrigerator didn't get tied up all the way, and there was some stuff leaking out. And it was leaking out all the way through the house to get out. And uh, uh, we were cleaning and that kind of thing. And then, and then I, later I bumped into Carmen. I went back to the church. She was there helping with the distribution center. And she said, you, you stink. <laughs> you don't smell good. You need a shower. You need a shower. It had been on me. It had been on me. See, I believe there was a purpose in verse 7. At the end where it says that there was no smell of fire on them. They had literally been in the fire, but they didn't smell like the fire. How? Why? What was the purpose? I believe the purpose was to let Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego know that not only was the fire gone, not only was the trial over, not only was their circumstance ending, but God was going to restore them like it had never happened. God, had, God, had, God was going to restore them like it had never happened. Not only for them, but for Nebuchadnezzar and for all the counselors to see. Wait, they've been in the fire. But it doesn't even smell like it. It doesn't even seem like they've been in a furnace. One of the, the moments I was telling you about in the living room, when I was discouraged, I was beat down. Pastor and Adina kept looking at me and they kept looking at me and Carmen and saying, I'm telling you, bro, I don't know how it's going to happen, but you're going to come out of this better than when you came into it. Now, I have to be honest with you. And while I was sitting on that couch and we totaled up all of our belongings that were lost and it was $27,000 and it's just, that, that's just the tip of the iceberg compared to what most of you that have lost, lost things. I was sitting there on that couch and I was almost thinking, okay, <laughs> okay, God, 
All right. But things started coming in. Donations from places that we, from companies, CEOs of companies through a social media feed, sending gift cards to my family. Parents of students that I used to pastor from so far away would send financial help. Furniture from people that were blessing us that had just bought that furniture, but they wanted to, they wanted to bless us. Now, on that moment, I was thinking, man, there's just no way, bro. There's no way. But today, listen to this guy. Listen to me. Is it complete? No. Is everything restored what I had? No. But I've got faith that because I didn't bow, because I'm not going to bow to the pain in my situation, that God's going to restore it greater than where it was when I began. You're listening to a man who's going to be able to move into a home a week from now and be able to sleep in a bed that I didn't have two weeks ago. That my son's going to be able to sleep in a bed that I didn't have two weeks ago. Why? Because the kindness of people like you, but also because Jesus restores. Jesus restores. Today I've come to tell you, I don't care where your situation is, where you're at in your process. God is with you in your fire and your trial. No matter what it is. If it's flood related or if it's health related. God is with you in your trial. Right now, I've come to tell you one thing I can guarantee you is that when God is with you and when you don't bow at the pain of your circumstance, yet you grieve and you put your hope in an eternal Savior, God's going to restore it and He's going to make it like you didn't even smell like you were in the fire. You didn't even smell like you were in the fire. Don't let the smell of your trial stink up your destiny. Because you're going to be able to walk out of this thing. Well, how am I able to say you're going to be able? Because I'm with you and I'm walking with you. I'm in the same boat. I want to be able to walk out of this trial and say, look what God did. In somebody else's trial, I want to be able to encourage them and say, hey, bro, look what God did for me. I believe he can do it for you. I believe he can do it for you. I walked out of this fire and I didn't even smell like I had smoke on me. I didn't even smell like it. Parkway, I know that building. is sheetrock. It's completely out. And there's stuff everywhere. And every time you walk in, there's more work to be done. But I'm telling you, when you come on the other side, it's going to smell like there was no fire. It's going to smell like there was no flood. I just feel it in my heart. It's been prophesied through so many people that you guys are not going to be able to have enough seats to, 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 for everybody that's coming. Because what's going to happen is people are looking at this church and they're saying, wait, they were in the fire. They were in the flood, but they don't smell like it. They're not bitter. They're not angry. They're still growing. How are they able to do it? Because Jesus restores. Jesus restores. My hope is in Jesus.
after I, I kind of got things straightened in my mind about how this whole thing was going to work out, kind of, I kept saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's just going to, it's going to be okay. Every time something bad would happen, it's going to be okay. My vehicle went down. It's going to be okay. Every, it, it, it's going to be okay. And one time I, we were in Alex's room and, and, and I told Carmen, she had, you know, she had something hit her and I said, it's going to be okay. She said, are you telling me or are you telling you? Sometimes you just got to puff yourself up and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. David Lewis, I've seen your heart through this thing, man. I've seen your heart. I've gotten to know you more through this situation than I've known you in my four years I was here. But I respect you and honor you so much. You strengthened me. You strengthened me. I don't know how. I don't know, I don't know the hows. But I do know the who's. And I'm telling you on the other side of this thing, it's not going to smell like fire. It's not going to smell like fire. Sister Judy, I love you. It's not going to smell like fire. It's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. David Woolen, where are you at, Bubba? Come here. Come up here. A month ago, my Bubba almost lost his life from a power limb, from a power limb. It could have been at the, at the end of it. A month ago. But today, a month later, when the doctor said, man, this, this, this dude should have been gone. There's no reason. I got a reason. I got a reason. Today, David was up there singing. And he was anointed. If y'all didn't feel it, I felt it. Standing right next to him. He was anointed because God is not done. He don't even smell like you've been in the fire. You don't even smell like it anymore. You smell like victory. It's the smell of victory in your life, David. You smell like victory today, David. Russ Moe. You smell like victory, victory today, Russ Moe. In your trial, you're standing up. You're here. You smell like victory. You're going to come out of this thing not smelling like fire. Not smelling like flood. The Word says that you're more than conquerors today. What can keep you from the love of God? Can Harvey? No. No. Because you are more than conquerors. And the love of Christ Jesus. You have hope in Jesus today. What does it mean to be more than a conqueror, Michael? It means to be right in the middle of my trial. Right in the middle of where the residue is at when I'm not rebuilt yet. When I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. But I stand strong. And I say my hope is not in my money. My hope is not in my job. My hope is not in any of these extracurricular things on the outside. My hope is simply in Jesus. And when I place my hope in Jesus, I understand the words to the song, and if our God is for us, then who or what can stand against us? Who or what can stand against us?
You know what I wish you would do right now? I wish you would look at somebody right next to you and I wish you to tell them, God is for you. God is for you. You may have an emotional struggle that nobody in this room knows about. God is for you today. And he's with you. Don't bow so you can smell the victory. Anybody want to smell that victory today? It's not about the stuff. It's about the victory in Jesus. It's not about my circumstance. It's about my Savior. My problem is just part of my process. Grab hands with somebody right next to you, and I want you to raise it as high as you can get it in the air. Together. We're binding together right now. This is important. This is important. You're binding together. And what I want you to do is not focus on yourself right now. I want you to declare victory over your neighbor's trial right now. Over your neighbor's stuff that they've got going on in their life. If you don't know what's going on in their life, start declaring victory over their family. Start declaring victory over their finances. Over their marriage. Over their kids. Start declaring that victory. Smell the victory in the room. And if our God is for us, who or what can be against us today?